0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. President Vladimir Putin declared that Russia's largest airstrike on Ukraine since the early weeks of the war was in retaliation for the bombing of the Kerch Bridge, which links the occupied Crimean peninsula to Russia. Ukraine has not claimed responsibility. Mr. Putin threatened a further, quote, harsh response to such attacks On Monday, Russian missiles struck the center of Kiev. Explosions were also reported in the cities of Nipro, L'viv and Tenopil. At least 11 people have been killed and 64 wounded. Iran's security forces stepped up their violent suppression of anti-government protests that have swept the country following the death of Masa Armini, in the custody of the morality police. At least 185 people have been killed in clashes since mid-September. Fierce fighting between protesters and riot police was reported in Kurdish cities on Monday. The president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, ordered the deployment of troops alongside Russian forces on his country's border with Ukraine. The dictator, who is a close ally of Russia's president Vladimir Putin, claimed without evidence that Ukraine was planning missile strikes on Belarus. He began assembling forces after an attack on Russia's bridge to occupy Crimea on Saturday. Rivian, a maker of electric trucks, saw its shares slide by about 9% after it recalled almost all of the 13,000 of its vehicles on the road over a potential fault. The startup had the biggest IPO of 2021 and nearly 100,000 people have placed orders. But supply chain woes have slowed production. The new glitch will not help. Malaysia's Prime Minister, Ismail Sabri Yaqob, called an early election in an effort to bolster the mandate of his fractious ruling coalition. An election was due in September 2023 but now must be held within 60 days of Parliament being dissolved on Monday. That the election could coincide with the monsoon season, dampening turnout, sparked protests from the opposition. The Nobel Committee awarded the Sveriges Riksbank Prize in Economic Sciences to three economists for research into the role of banks in the economy and how their collapse can exacerbate financial crises. The winners were Ben Bernanke, a former head of America's Federal Reserve, who is now at the Brookings Institution, Douglas Diamond of the University of Chicago, and Philip Dipvig of Washington University. North Korea's state news agency said that the country's testing of 12 ballistic missiles over the past week, including one which flew over Japan, was intended to simulate a nuclear attack to, quote, wipe-out targets in South Korea. The launches were a response to recent American and South Korean naval drills around the Korean peninsula. And fact of the day, 13%, the average dip in earnings per share around recessions since the Second World War, according to Goldman Sachs.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. RUSSIA DOUBLES DOWN IN UKRAINE The G7, a club of rich democracies, will hold an emergency meeting on Tuesday with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky. The hastily convened session is in response to Russia's missile attack on civilian infrastructure and cities in Ukraine on Monday, which killed at least 11 people and injured about 60. The European Union said that such attacks constitute war crimes. The G7 will consider what further pressure can be applied to Russia to stop its assault. Monday's missiles were retaliation for an attack on a bridge linking Crimea and Russia, but many worry that the bloodshed heralds a new chapter in an already cruel war. It appears to be a statement of intent from President Vladimir Putin and Sergei Sorovikin, the general appointed on Saturday as overall Russian commander of the war. General Sorovikin has a well-earned reputation for brutality and ruthlessness. One Ukrainian official said he has studied the general's involvement in Afghanistan, two Chechen wars, and Russia's air war with Syria, and has come to a grim conclusion. Quote, he's a butcher. Japan reopens to foreign tourists. More than two years of pandemic-induced isolation have ended in Japan. From Tuesday, travelers from dozens of countries will be able to enter without visas and move around without government-approved guides. Japan's government hopes tourists will help reinvigorate a flagging economy. Some 32 million foreigners visited Japan in 2019. Inbound tourism spending amounted to nearly 5 trillion yen, or $34 billion, today. The country had planned for 40 million arrivals in 2020 with the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Instead, just 4 million entered. Last year, the number dipped to below 250,000. The yen, being at its weakest level against the dollar in nearly 25 years, may inspire shopping sprees. Airlines are increasing flights to Japan. But one lucrative group will not be back just yet. In 2019, Chinese tourists accounted for 28% of arrivals and 37% of tourist spending. But their government is still restricting travel abroad. Without them, Japan's tourism industry may yet take years to recover. Meta's Metaverse Conference Nearly a year has passed since the company once known as Facebook renamed itself Meta. The rebranding was meant to signal the firm's multi-billion-dollar, multi-year shift in focus toward the, quote, metaverse, a loose term envisioning an immersive, virtual reality-driven Internet. The huge investment, together with flagging revenues in Meta's core social networking businesses, which include Instagram and WhatsApp as well as Facebook, have sent profits and shares tumbling. Does the firm have anything to show yet for its big bet? Investors and consumers will find out on Tuesday at MetaConnect, where progress on Meta's virtual and augmented reality technologies will be revealed. These are likely to include an upgraded and pricier version of the Quest virtual reality headset. Meta is also expected to unveil improvements to Horizon, a virtual reality social media network released last year for Quest users. Screenshots from Horizon of a cartoonish, poorly rendered version of Mark Zuckerberg, the company's founder, became a meme this summer. The Fattest Bears in Alaska Fat Bear Tuesday marks the climax of Fat Bear Week, a contest run by Katmai National Park in southern Alaska to identify the brown bear, who gains the most weight while preparing for hibernation. Fans share before and after photos of the bears taken from webcams and then vote. The final round to crown a winner will be between 747, a male nicknamed Bear Force One, and either 128, Grazer, a perpetual contender, or 901, a young female. The contest, which began in 2014, serves a purpose besides ogling champion chunksters. The park's webcams bring Alaska's wilderness to people who otherwise may never see it. It also draws attention to conservation. Katmai's 2200 bears are so rotund because they feed from a healthy salmon run, untouched by overfishing and dam construction. Park rangers argue the joyful contest has gone viral because it helps dispel gloomy feelings about habitat loss and climate change. May the fattest bear win. Damien Hirst burns his art. On Tuesday morning, Damien Hirst, a British artist, will begin burning a collection of paintings valued at about $10 million as the finale of The Currency, his project pitting physical art against non-fungible tokens. Last year, 10,000 of Mr. Hearst's paintings featuring colorful enamel spots made in 2016 were made into digital files, known as NFTs. Each NFT was sold for $2,000, but buyers were later given the choice between keeping the NFT or swapping it for the painting. Unwanted paintings are now being burned and rejected NFTs deleted. In all, 9,000 works were sold to the public. 5,149 buyers chose paintings, while 3,851 wanted the NFTs. Mr. Hurst kept the rest. Fewer than 70 physical works have appeared at auction, fetching twice the price of the more than 2,000 NFTs that have been resold. If the currency asks whether digital work are as valuable as tangible ones, the answer seems to be no. Daily Quiz Which character is coached to Adonis Creed in the boxing films Creed and Creed II? Monday, who was the successor to Moses as leader of the Israelites? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Tick Nathan, who died on this day in 1926. Many of us have been running all our lives. Practice stopping.